Christian Conspiracy Coalition. Without faith, without belief in something, what are we? You know, the hardest thing is to listen, to hear his voice, God's voice. It's a leap of faith. I would rather stand with God and be judged by the world than stand with the world and be judged by God. Welcome to Christian Conspiracy Coalition, a place where the best minds in conspiracy realm gather together to share and discuss their faith, Christianity, and the spiritual war thrust upon humanity. Welcome back for our December episode for 2023. With the holiday season in full swing, I'm reminded of Acts 20.35, which states, In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of Lord Jesus. How he himself said, is more blessed to give than to receive. And in that spirit, it's always an absolute joy to give these episodes to you, the listeners, and share these fantastic conversations with my friends. On tonight's show, I'm joined by Heidi Love from the Unfiltered Rise podcast and Luca from the Justified Belief podcast. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thanks for having us. It's good to have you back, Luke. We haven't seen you in a little while, and I know these <laughs> topics are probably definitely within your wheelhouse. You're a very well-read man, so I'm keen to see what uh, you can get to on some of these. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. <laughs> no problem. All right, the topics for tonight's show. First up, we have pagan practices within Christian holidays, specifically Christmas. Predictions for 2024, what can we expect? And sowing seeds, how do we spread the word without coming across as a Bible thumper? I think that's something that all modern day Christians seem to struggle with (laughs) and something that turns off a lot of people from the word. But let us start off with pagan traditions. Being December, what better way to start off with a practice of Christmas? Many people assume this holiday is rooted in Christian tradition and the celebration of the birth of Christ. But what esoteric and pagan traditions do we see practiced today? Is this a case of the commercialization of Christmas, or is there a darker, deeper gender at play? Who would like to start? Go for it, Luke. Mm. I can see you chomping at the bit. Where do you want to start (laughs) on this? (laughs) Um, I'll I'll start by saying this, the unpopular opinion, which uh, I... So it is rooted in pagan holiday, Saturnalia. And if you just do a little bit of research, you can see that. Um, So before I dive into the details of that, I will say I think it's okay to celebrate it because, you know, we've pretty much hijacked it from the pagans and made it about Christ. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like, you know, some Christians get upset when you tell them that. But that's that's just the historical reality, because. You know, all the biblical holidays are outlined in the Bible already, and um, sadly, Christmas is is not one of them. You know, so Saturnalia was being uh, celebrated from December 17th to the 25th, um, and then, it, you know, they exchanged gifts. It was about the uh, winter solstice. It was about Saturn, uh, the uh, astral, or I'm sorry, the astrological symbol for Saturn also is like for Satan, and it was worshiping you know, all these pagan gods and like somewhat of a satanic practice and they would give each other gifts and have orgies and all sorts of crazy things, you know. <laughs> so um then Emperor Constantine, you know, when he he became a Christian, he needed to mend, you know, he didn't want to get rid of Saturnalia because there would definitely be uh revolts uh from the people because it was such a popular holiday but the christian church was starting to gain strength so he also wanted to you know unite the two 
Um, so he made Christmas, you know, and he made it about Christ. So we made it, I mean, the church made it about Christ. So in that regard, you know, I think celebrating it is really not a big deal. I know some, you know, certain folks who are, you know, I don't want to say necessarily anti-Christian, but, you know, they rag on Christians a lot for uh, doing the whole Christmas deal. You know, one thing they like to point out is bringing the trees into the house and claiming that that's a pagan practice. And it's, uh, you know, talked about in the Bible, but they don't really clarify like the whole thing with not in the Old Testament that when it talks about not bringing trees into the home is not bringing trees into the home to worship it, Um, because bringing a tree into the home is just one of a two-step process. The second step is usually carving it into something called the Asherim, which is talked about in the Old Testament. And the Asherim was a female, a pagan female deity of like fertility. So what some of the Israelites were doing when they were getting mingling with uh, these pagan groups around them was bringing trees in to the home to carve them into the idol and worship it. You know, bringing a Christmas tree into your house and decorating it I would say is completely different than, you know, bending a knee in front of it and praising it like it's some kind of deity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so like, I, you know, and the other thing too with that is, um, you know, the Bible is silent on the actual birth of Christ, what day he was born. You know, a lot of it is kind of somewhat speculation. Um, but even, you know, most scholars believe he was not born during the winter months because of the fact that the shepherds were out in the field. Because believe it or not, it does snow in Israel. And in the December months, it does get snowy and shepherds would bring their flock indoors. They wouldn't be out in a field. So based on that, you know, they think it might have been earlier in the year. But uh, as far as like the commercialization, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of stores and a lot of uh, I just businesses, you know, they definitely capitalize on the gift giving aspect. And sometimes I think like the real meaning of Christmas is lost, which is, is really just celebrating the birth of our Lord, you know, and uh, the salvation he brings us. But, you know, sometimes I feel like it, it start that starts to get lost with the hustle and bustle. Now it's all about, you know, material things, sadly. Sorry, I threw a lot. That's, I was going to say, threw that, a lot <laughs> well, that was a lot, but you, yeah. you absolutely nailed it. It's good. Points. It's good. I have like a completely yeah. opposite um, a stance because I knew we were going to come at this and most people go down Very the sure. Saturnalia road, which I know mm-hmm. was, it's true. Everything he has said of Saturnalia is true, except there is some controversy about, Ooh. okay, so the angel <laughs> of the Lord <laughs> came to announce uh, of John's pregnancy. And when this happened, um, they were burning incense in the temples and They've dated this into a certain time frame where they said that his birth was in September 23rd for this is John. And six months later came to Mary, that being saying she was going to be pregnant as well, which meant she would have conceived around March 25th and nine months later were Christmas, which is December 25th. This is just different people going over this who are and i mean some of them like emperor aurelian he was the one that came out and and had the whole thing to saturnalia and the pagans celebrating and it first happened in 274 a.d so that was the first time it was like announced that they actually celebrated that but this other story that i spoke to you about about jesus's birth being in december 25th was announced by Irenaeus a hundred years before that from Hippolytus, 72 years before that, and Africanus, 50 years before that date of Saturnalia. 
So I knew I knew we would be somebody would go one way. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and go both ways. (laughs) (laughs) I I was ready either way. I think this is the this is the thing though. Like we've got this was the original culture blocking. Whether this was originally a a Christian tradition or not, Christianity has taken what it was and grasped onto it and made it our own. You look at what happened with all the pagan um, faiths of the Roman Empire at the time. Constantine knew he had an empire with the breadth and width that spanned multiple cultures, hundreds of thousands of miles. He had too much land with too many denominations. So Christianity was kind of that great bridging point between those pagan beliefs. It was almost like a carrot. Look, we've, we've got some of these practices within Christianity, make it a bit easier for those pagans to convert. So we saw the ideas of Saturnalia go into that. We saw aspects of Easter go into that. It seemed like a really great play by Constantine. And mm-hmm. it's not just the case of having uh, trees come into the house, which you mentioned before, Luca. That was not just any one particular pagan faith. I think it was when we think about things as pagan, we think of it as pagan religion and not so much pagan culture where mm-hmm. the winter solstice wasn't just a Roman thing. It was practiced by many cultures across mm-hmm. Western Europe. Yes. And one of those was the Celts and the Norse. And the reason they would bring a tree into the house over winter was it was so that it would remind them that it would be green again, that it's not death. It's not the final season and life would come back. That's why they would have that into the house. But if we go back even further than that, Heidi, and this is going to probably throw a little bit of spanner in what you just shared, <laughs> the original basis for this I've found is around Sumerian and Babylonian death cults and their religions. Oh. The tree in itself could be construed as two possible things, an effigy to the Tower of Babel or a phallic symbol, so a very sexualized symbol that you would see. And like what you mentioned, Luca, how... Um, the original pagans that made contact with the Hebrews, they would carve those down into the effigies, like a fertility symbol. If mm. it is a, a tribute to the Tower of Babel, it would make sense because towers at that time in the world, whatever technology they had, you would have to start off with a larger base and build slowly up, which would have that almost conical type of a shape to it, which we kind of seen depictions of Christians' versions of what the tower could look like. And then we have to get into what the decorations were. Um, The Celts and the Norse would say they would hang apples and fruits on the tree and they would eat them periodically. Another thing is they could be severed heads. And these red baubles are the heads of the people that they sacrificed for the tower. So there is a lot lot of satanic (laughs) um, pagan rituals and things associated with it. And that's what you got to before, Luca, where a lot of atheists or just people who don't have any faith in general, they nitpick at what they see in Christmas Mm. as all pagan. But the intention is there that it was to bring people together. It's all about that giving and more so giving than it is receiving, Mm -hmm. which is the gospel of Jesus. It's helping Mm -hmm. out your fellow man, looking out for those who have less than you, giving more than it is to receive. So the underlining tone of Christmas, I think, has always been intended to be good and holy. The problem is, I think today, which has made it worse, is that commercialism. And you Americans did a bloody good job at that. It's a hallmark <laughs> holiday at this point. 1950s it and is. 60s um, marketing yeah. men, they did a great job at publicizing Christmas as being about consumerism. 
We're easily programmed. We're cabbage patch babies. <laughs> cabbage <laughs> patch. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, you're not. It's all good. <laughs> I'm playing. Nah, I love it. My well, favorite uh, thing... commercialism symbol. Have you heard of the Caroler story? Uh, the Caroler, is this Caroler story. Is this Carolers? to do? Yeah, is this to do the, with um, Jack the Ripper going around? Know. Well, no, no. So actually what they used to do, it was kind of more um, similar to me to trick or treat, but actually they used to go around caroling. It was the poor people used to go around caroling to the rich people. And basically when they say, give me my figgy pudding, they're not asking very nicely. I always thought that was weird in the song, Mm. right? Like they're like, give me my figgy pudding. And figgy pudding was something that only more um, rich people could kind of do. So they would knock on your door and sing for you. And if you didn't give them something nice, (laughs) they would sing for what they wanted. Give me my figgy pudding. And then if you didn't do it, they would kind of get really nasty. Oh, my (laughs) goodness. Yeah, kind of reminiscent <laughs> of uh, old style Sawin, if you get my, my drift there. Oh. But I was like, oh, because that the, one was the other take I've heard on that, Heidi, is that Carol is actually the name of a little girl who went missing in Victorian era London around the times of Jack the Ripper. And people mm. searching for this girl, trying to find her, they would ha- sing at people's doors to let them know they're not the serial killer. So people would actually oh my open gosh. the door because they were so afraid. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't what? know. If people were singing at my door and they were mur- like, we're waiting for murders. I am not opening oh that God. door. <laughs> but also, I think everyone's a serial killer. So, <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah. Trust no one. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, uh... We're not cynical. <laughs> <laughs> just listen, like a good buddy of mine at work says, we deal in facts and reality. Just dealing in facts and reality. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, that's but, uh, perfect, oh, Luca, boy. for this. Facts and reality around the historical connections with Christmas. And it doesn't <laughs> just go back to the the holiday and the things that we celebrate. What about the messages we see today and especially the commercialization of Christmas with Santa Claus? This one gets thrown out a lot, and I think it's a quick go-to and an easy buzz thing for conspiracy world. <laughs> Santa is an anagram for Satan. I I don't know. I don't that's know where an they easy came one people go to Santa name. Yeah, but Saint Nick, I know that story, which I mean, he did punch that guy. That was awesome. I mean, <laughs> he did punch Arius in the face. I mean, I I'm like, yeah, that's good. You know, he seems like a good guy. <laughs> no, but I I mean, do you know, do you guys either of you know how it became Santa instead of Saint Nick? I know. I, I, I don't. don't. Know. I know Saint Nicholas, but I don't know the yeah, Santa side of things. Yeah, I have no clue. Jeez, one of, us, I, one of us I probably got that for looked. the show. <laughs> I, I scoured. I scoured because I was trying. I was so trying, and I thought, well, I don't know, but that's I the know dis- the St. Nicholas story. That's the disconnect, though. You see the religious Christian aspect of St. Nicholas, who is a patron saint of children, which makes sense. And then you see the commercialized version of Santa with the bright red suit, the fluffy hat, the presents. He's omnipresent. He sees kids all the time. He's Father Christmas. He looks a mm-hmm. heck of a lot like Odin or Zeus in a lot of oh, ways. Right? He's the father god. Yeah. He cool. um, is magical. So a lot of his things are uh, metaphysical and spiritual in nature as opposed to just a generic holiday. So there's a bit more going on to old Santa than than the uh, St. Nicholas that he evolved from. Well, well and the St. Nicholas that he evolved from, you guys know that he was the patron saint of horse, right? <laughs> Do you know this story? Yeah. 
I, so he no, used no, to I, leave. No. No. <laughs> so the reason please, why please he enlighten comes me because <laughs> yeah, I had no he idea. Comes down. Oh I know. Gosh. I always bring the weird stuff. Sorry, guys. No, no, it's good. It, it's good. I just uh, other than he, like he would. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, you're good. I, I was, I was saying, okay. go ahead, because I, I, I'll, oh, I'll, okay. I'll tell my piece. I'll sing my piece after because I'm, I'm okay. interested to hear this now. So he, he would take coins for okay. So girls that couldn't afford their dowry and that were poor and couldn't um, get married because of a dowry, he would throw little bags of money down the chimney for them, um, so they could get married. And so they were girls that were not good girls. <laughs> they were oh. girls that didn't have the families and didn't they? They were whores and so <laughs> prostitutes. So wait, wait, did he make the children then? Yeah. Is that why he's also the patron saint of children? I, I hope not. I hope not. I know. I know. I'm hoping like, he's not. Trying did he to create his own eyes. army of elves? It's like right? the, uh, it that Family Guy scene with the stork coming to bring the baby, but it brings it a red be. light bulb, and the lady's like, "Oh, where's my baby?" Uh-oh. The stork's yeah. like, "Oh, honey, we gonna make the baby." <laughs> <laughs> Well, he does wear a red suit. Uh, I mean, oh my no. goodness! <laughs> uh, no, I'm uh, no. But what I was gonna say before is, um, I think it's good though. Like more, more Christians should really like know about stuff like this because when you don't, and then people bring it up, and then you try just try to say that they're lying or it's not true. It really it waters down the believability of the whole religion in my in my opinion so like it's good to know these things and then just like you said drew it's really all about the intent like just because a bunch of christians are celebrating christmas and it happens to you know share roots with this pagan holiday we're not doing it for pagan reasons you know we're not doing it to esteem pagan gods or effigies you know we're doing it because we made it about christ which i i think is okay Minus, you know, certain, you know, I mean, there's just certain things that are kind of like, yeah, probably we probably shouldn't do that. But Christmas, you know, like believing in St. Nick, I think is part of a problem personally, because it really detracts from what the day is about, which is really Jesus, you know. And like you said, like the commercialization now of St. Nick and, you know, Santa Claus and being the focal point for the whole holiday, I think really takes away from what really what Christmas really is. And for a lot of people who don't actually practice their Christianity and research and read the Bible and get into it, that starts to water down the whole thing for them, too. You know, and then ultimately it just makes it it just makes everything look kind of terrible from the lens from people outside looking in, you know, into Christianity. I think that's where um, the cultural blocking of the Catholic Church kind of went too far. I could understand adopting practices to make it more palatable for pagans to convert to Christianity. But you look at the the idea of St. Nicholas and the way he's depicted, I have some concerns around that's not the way he actually looked. It's almost mm. like the Borgia's um, representation of Jesus, where we know that Caesar Borgia was used as the basis for the artwork for Jesus in the early church, or the later church rather. I have a feeling that St. Nicholas was based on the depictions of Zeus, Odin, Jupiter, a lot of the father gods, and that's why we've got that slow trickle into Father Christmas because Mm. it's almost like it's opting in and tying back to those pagan roots that make it more palatable. Mm. Everyone has this weird kind of understanding. You ask a little kid what they think God looks like, and we have this Western representation of God as being 
this omnipresent guy sitting in the clouds, the big white beard. Well, that's just the same representation we see of the elder gods from many pagan pantheons as well. Mm -hmm. So we don't actually see a depiction, a true depiction of God, because I don't think humans could ever really comprehend what God looks like or what God Mm -hmm. is. And that's just our, our early church's way of trying to conceptualize and understand an all powerful being that's omnipresent Mm -hmm. everywhere at once. Sure. I mean, there is a brief description in the Bible of what Jesus looks like. It's in a uh, revelations. It says, you know, he's got a uh, white hair and his skin is like a burnished bronze color, but that's really it. Like that's the extent of it, you know, other physical features. I mean, not so much, but I agree, man. And that's part of the problem. And again, it, it starts to make Christianity look watered down. Like it's any other one of these, you know, man-made religions or anything, you know, whatever, but, you know, hopefully in time, people kind of move away from the image of St. Nicholas and they really start to make it ab- about Christ again. I mean, that's really what it was all about. But Heidi, I'm going to jump into the weeds of conspiracy on this one to detract a little uh-uh. bit away from Let's scripture. So this is my take on Santa, how it can fit into the conspiracy realm. So Santa lives at the North Pole. We know that. It's not on maps anymore. (laughs) And then the North Pole is supposedly the entryway (laughs) to Hollow Earth. Right. So does Santa live within Hollow Earth? And if we go back to Scripture, another dimension. What what is held within Inner Earth or trapped within the Earth? Not nice things. His elves, (laughs) his elves, his little helpers (laughs) that assist Santa, they're the symbolic symbolism of fey folks, fairy, gnomes, dwarves, all creatures in pagan faiths who are considered to be trickster gods or mythological creatures that would abduct children and take people away from their families. So there's this idea that these little things are suddenly pro-children and helping them. It's like they've inverted the evil and kind of adopted it that way. Um, And Santa Slay, a big flying machine with animals that pour through the sky, that just seems to me like an interdimensional craft of some kind. (laughs) wheels within wheels but it seems to be that there's a level of on the conspiracy side of things a level of technology now i know where a lot of the ufo people would go with this the elves are the Mm. small greys and santa's probably a reptilian that can shape shift (laughs) into people's houses that's my conspiracy take on it what do you think i mean that way he'd fit down the chimney he would a lot better (laughs) No, I, I definitely could see at least especially interdimensional traveling and especially how they've detracted, like they've taken away. We were talking, I can't remember which podcast I was on, but somebody was talking about having a globe when they were little and it was fancy and it had like all the bumps for each little place. And the North Pole was kind of towards the top and he would run his hand across it a lot of times when he would walk by or whatever, because he's a kid. And it felt weird. He said it was just more textured. And he said, now that doesn't exist. And they say it didn't and and that it's not on any maps like that. And I'm like, what? He's like, oh, it's 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 like a place, but not a place, like not a land, not a, you know, place you can go to type thing. And so I'm like, okay, maybe they just tried to disrupt that whole portal altogether there, like how we were talking about the gateways the other night. And so like, maybe that, I mean, I'm assuming there's something very big there. Just, I mean, you know, if you've listened to anything about Admiral Byrd, (laughs) there's weird. Yeah. And true North always changes. It's on this shift. It's an an elliptical shift. It keeps moving. 
all the time. It's, it's in weird. a constant flux, which is quite strange. So strange. And so, I mean, I definitely agree with interdimensional anything. I don't know about the aliens coming to help Santa build the toys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. We're paying for all that anyway. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> but, right, I had, but, had to talk with my 10-year-old this year about that. <laughs> the, the, the last little conspiracy thing. What do we leave for Santa? Milk and cookies, right? That's just a like a sacrificial offering, an offering. Oh my of goodness! To a, to a pagan god, is it not the bread? Because <laughs> they left bread. No, they left holy bread on the. On I didn't the even steps, think of right? it like that. That's amazing. Yes, that's funny. Yes, I don't know about the milk, but I know they left holy bread, like that they could eat after so many days. The priests, so that that really was a thing. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh no! At least it's not blood, right? <laughs> <laughs> We now, were talking about that. This, this part is completely fictional, but it's a great little story that kind of adopts oh, elements of all of this. It's from it's from a horror series. I think it was, I can't remember, little one-off horror series episodes, and one of them was about the Satan Clause, and it's how oh. Santa's a man who struck a deal with the devil to hunt down skinwalkers. <laughs> it's what? so ridiculously funny. If you have a chance oh to, I'd watch it as a Christmas show <laughs> just for the sake of having a laugh. Oh my gosh. And Santa, Are you trying to make me not sleep? <laughs> in this giant armor set with big red claws, and he hunts skinwalkers. Oh. It's quite funny. Oh my gosh. That's, oh, Creep that's, Show. That's, that's hilarious. It. The horror series called Creep Show, and it's called The Satan Clause. <laughs> I think they also probably based Santa off the Holly King and the Oak King. You know, there's mm-hmm. pagan uh, lore about that as well, like how he looked, because they say that the Holly King dies and then the Oak King will come back in the spring. And so it's it's about rebirth and all that mm-hmm. pagan reincarnation type stuff. But I mean, it's weird. It definitely looks like, you know, you always see the Holly on there, different little depictions with you know, different herbs and flowers and things. But I know they did do weird things like um, paradise trees. There's arguments between paradise trees for Christians and the pagan trees and the idols. And I mean, it gets really deep. I think you could literally, as a debate, letter in debate person, you could make this go any way you want, like really, including to the graves. <laughs> I, th- I think that's the cross- cross-cultural contamination. There's I don't yes. think there's a single culture within at least the Northern Hemisphere that doesn't revere December 25th, the winter solstice, death and rebirth of winter, um, the idolizing of trees, or at least the, the adaption of trees into a, a religious aspect. So there's a collective memory somewhere that we're yeah. connected to these things. And what's the first tree? The tree of the forbidden fruit of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. That's yep. the, 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 like, the tree that Christians yep. would think of. Well, is that what the baubles are? are that, is it the fruit, forbidden fruit of knowledge? You know what they the say trade? they are. You know what they say they are if you go back to the whole Tammuz story, right? You know the story about Tammuz, right? Go for it. Okay, so. You just can't say, do um, you know the story, then leave it. Come on, well, Heidi. Do you yeah. know? <laughs> I mean, okay, okay. I could say, Nimrod yes, story. yes, I know. We're all going uh, to move on I don't, now. I don't, the I don't Nimrod, you don't know this. Okay, good. Okay, no, no, so no. the Nimrod story. Nimrod was married to... Um, Astarte, I can't remember her other name, but she has many. Um, Astrid, all that. It's like the Easter goddess type thing. And so he got killed while she was pregnant. And then she birthed um, Tammuz. And Tammuz was 
um, she believed that he was reincarnated of her husband. So they end up getting married, the mother and son, um, mm. because that was her husband. And at some point, they sacrifice him. And Nimrod's birthday was December 25th. And they they celebrate that as as a holy day for them. Anyway, at some point he gets martyred and he gets chopped up into pieces, right? Well, one piece was missing when she put him all back together. She had to go find all the pieces and she got him all put together again. But the one important piece was missing. Penis. That was his phallus. Yes. <laughs> and this <laughs> and- is this is exactly the same story as the ancient Egyptians have. Just mm-hmm. the yes. names. And, yep. Yep. And so they um, couldn't find it. So she replaced it with a tree. So See, the phallic symbol, of... it's a penis. Ouch. So the, yeah. the balls that we hang. Mm. Are the the... Yes. <laughs> so next yeah. time, Luke, you go into someone's house, go, oh, that's a great yeah. uh, representative of a phallic penis there. Well done. It's very good. Testicle tree. <laughs> nice. I said uh, I think, it the man, last I, week. Uh... I think so it's really all about intent, had... bro. Yeah. Oh, well, it, totally. it is. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Like... My kid, <laughs> my kid came home with like five friends, and she's like, "We're gonna go home and decorate our tree." I'm like, "Are oh, you gonna go hang your your testicles on your tree?" And they just all stopped, and she goes, "You hang balls on your tree?" <laughs> I said, "Well, so do you." Think about what you just said, and she was like, "Ah," and I was like, "Right." <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Does that mean that the star of Bethlehem or the star on the top of the tree? Isn't yes, it's a, star? a pentagram. No, or the... is it the divine spark, the seed coming out of Ooh. the giant penis? It could be. It could be. It's pointy. That would a lot hurt. of symbolism. But... <laughs> a lot of symbolism. Oh, I think that, that's the point, though. <sighs> this is what you can get lost in the weeds on this because oh. every culture's got their own saying on it, their own terminology yeah. around it and their reason for it. <laughs> And that's those are the things that people nitpick to try and kind of detract away from the meaning behind Christmas. Like you said, Luca, yeah. the intention and what you do under that time and with your family. And it I agree is, I like, with that. Yeah, because like, let's be real. Like, I know there's a lot of atheists and folks who, you know, they try to tear down Christianity and when they attack Christmas and everything. And this is why I'm saying, like, it, you know, it's important for Christians to just be honest about Christmas. Like, it, it's not in the Bible period end of story it's extra biblical (laughs) it's fine to celebrate it because of the intent no but like you know when some of these people bring up the symbolism let's say like you know the uh the phallic symbol of the tree you're putting the the ornaments a a christian family's intent to put the ornament on the tree or to have the tree in the first place is because it's visually appealing you know not because Mm -hmm. of the symbolism of it being pagan or occultic a cult, excuse me, in nature, you know what I mean? But yes, I mean, this has been definitely so far has been really eye opening, especially Heidi. Thank you. Cause I had no idea. <laughs> I, I the, did a deep the, dive. Uh, I'll yeah, tell you guys. That's good. That's real good. <laughs> I've been down the like rabbit hole sev- on this. The severed head part and everything. I was like, Holy I didn't smokes. know that one. Yeah, that was I good. Didn't I didn't know that head. either. <laughs> and, and knowing the Babylonians is probably the severed heads of children. That's why they're so small. Ugh. Since they were into the baby sacrifice, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they I, it's, 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 it right is <laughs> very interesting. It really is very interesting. But mm-hmm. you know, I hope mo- more Christians listening out there understand. Like, it really, it, it just that it is what it is. You know, that's the facts. Like, it really is based either or. Because you know, Heidi brought up a good point when she was uh, going through the timeline of it. You know, maybe yeah, if you 
calculate the conception of Christ on March, you know, the nine months of, you know, who, you know, is that an established fact or is that still just conjecture? Who knows? Because at the end of the day, the Bible doesn't say what the day is. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, we can they all just, have our, yeah. yeah. But it's, I mean, they went she off brings of up the a good, ceremonies or whatever when yeah. they would burn the incense or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and I do I, know that Jesus did go to the feast, um, the mm-hmm. feast for Hanukkah, though, not the nothing to do with actual Christmas. I can't remember the mm-hmm. name of it. There's a feast that's celebrated for Hanukkah that Jesus did travel to and go to. Mm-hmm. So Fe- that, uh, I think least, it's Feast of yeah. Booths. Yes. And so, I mean, there are some things that come from legitimate places, but then again, we eat the ham and the ham goes back to that story of Tammuz that I'm telling you about, because it had something to do with the pig. And I can't remember in that, but I think Mm. he was represented as a boar, I think maybe, but anyway, and that goes back to Jesus too, because then you're eating the body and, and like the sacrament of Christians, you know how it says, eat my flesh and blood, like all that. So there again, and then that goes back to Drew saying, leaving the milk and cookies. And we go back to that as well. (laughs) My blood, my bread. I don't know. But I mean, it's interesting. I know what's in my heart for Christmas and I am Mm -hmm. a Christmas fiend. I love Christmas time. I don't even like Christmas day. You know what? They could throw (laughs) it away and I would never care, but I love Christmas time. I like Christmas time. I like yeah. how people are a little nicer to, in America. They're a lot nicer at that time. Um, they're, That's where you live. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a lot, well, a lot of Scrooge, I mean, a lot of Scrooge ducks walking yeah. around. <laughs> and we do. I mean, Utah. I will give it to them. They they make it fun. And and for me, like I'll never give it up because one thing, unless like I really find some biblical, I won't say never, because if I really saw something that was like, stop, I would just, that's fine. But it would make me sad because as a child that grew up in a really crappy home, um, not because my mom was so bad, but I mean, I, I came up in a pretty abusive situation. The one day of the year that was always pretty dang good at my house was Christmas. And so it was like, I think they kind of felt behind. I don't know. I don't know, but we got bomb Christmas gifts and it was just happy and good. I'm like, dang, I got the baby. What's its name? Like, no, I mean, I don't know, but it was fun. And my mom really did try. Like it wasn't, I feel bad whenever I talk about my family experience because my stepdad was the cause and my mom just couldn't face all the things. So it it's not like I'm, calling her out like i love her dearly she's still in my life i would never forsake her so just you know what it almost out. comes across as when people they might be attacking christianity and using christmas as the vehicle to try and dismantle the faith but just when people attack christmas <clears throat> in general it's almost as if they're looking at it as destroying people's happiness because like like we've spoken about it's all about intention now, if we think about Christmas as a time when we gather together around as families, we know not everyone has that idealistic Christmas hallmark type of card Christmas. Christmas can be a really depressing time for people. We get that. But far more often than not, I find the people that do attack it are the people who are disgruntled with the holiday and maybe haven't had that experience of happiness or they they grab onto the negative sides of things. They look at, oh, that was a pagan belief. So now all of it has to be thrown out or it's just a hallmark holiday. It's about making money. They latch onto the one small negative and dismiss yeah. all the good that's come with it. And if you were to do that with everything in life, geez, you wouldn't be using half of the products in the world or half the things we do. 
Look at yes. modern day medicine. I, I think modern day so medicine true. is based on the work of Goebbels and the horrific, horrific Nazi experiments during World War II. Oh yeah. But so yeah. much knowledge was gained from that. And how many people today have been saved because of those atrocities? Lots of people. Well, and I'm sorry, but we're all using uh, fallen angel technology channeled from John D right now to talk and on your little black mirror that you hold in your hand every damn day. It's and people want to talk to me about Christmas and makeup. I'm like, it's get out It's called my scrying <laughs> Mac Air. I know. My scrying see? Mac Air. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Remember, Whoa. people. Remember, John D is the father of all that shenanigans. And when people come at me for makeup, I'm like, Haha, you're on a phone right now. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what else? <laughs> also, you're not supposed to own anything and you're supposed to be really pious. So give up your house and go live. I don't know where. So Live in the woods. <laughs> yep. Live in a tent. With, well, then you'll have your tree. <laughs> uh, yeah. You have all the trees. <laughs> all the trees. All right. Did anyone else want to cover anything before we move on to the next topic? Something that you haven't gone over that you would like to get out? I'm all right. We did it. No, we did. Yeah. That was, we that was a very, that was a good one. We did it. it. Very broad. Good it's one. very broad. We had to get through the weeds, so we did well. <laughs> all right. So we're coming up to the end of year. It's going to be a new year, 2024. Predictions. What do we see <laughs> happening next year, the next 12 months? These can be geopolitically, economically, domestically, based on where you live. What do you see the next year having in store for the world, for us as people? What do you think is going to happen? How about you start off, Heidi? Oh, boy. You know where I live. We're going to have an election. (laughs) Uh, I don't even know. I mean, Mm. could be the whole... um, fulfilling of the big lie that everyone falls for or it could be good i don't know can't get worse i do know that (laughs) can't get worse than what we got right now so i'm about ready to even stick hillary in there at this point um i don't i don't know it's very scary i feel like the reason why i got so scared when we talk about that movie the end of the world movie whatever is because so much is uncertain right now right i feel like everything is so weird and and fast everything is fast like christmas came it's like yesterday was the first and now we're almost there you know it's like everything is sped up so quickly and and i worry about a million things and nothing all at the same time because i know god's got us but also i'm a mom so i'm like oh my gosh but (laughs) and so i'm hoping for good things I predict possibly a really big scandal on counts and shutdowns and everything with that election coming because they're passing a lot of really weird um, laws really sneakily under the radar with like um, the 2020 stuff and little things that have to do with that and new laws and regulations that have to do with that. And that spooks me because I'm like, really? Because nobody cares anymore. But I guess we're going to. Well, do you see it as a, so I, a as an Australian looking in, outside looking in? Do you think it's going to be a Trump-Biden ticket? Oh, man. Is it those two facing well, up again? Are we just repeating history at this point? I think Trump will be there. If they run Biden again, they are fools because he can't form a sentence half the time. And, I mean, I'm not, I'm non-political. Like, I'm not either one. I'm a they-go-to-dinner-afterward girl like two sides of the same coin let caesars have caesars and i don't care you know like i get very unpolitical because i just i'm like well what can i even do about it people get so rallied up and i'm like 
oh man, if everybody had rally like this for God, maybe we'd save the world, but Hey, mm. whatever. <laughs> but I, I do think Trump will be on the ticket. That's I think it. so. You're spot on with the uncertainty <laughs> because I see that as a listener of a lot of your guys' podcasts and other, other friends within this um, little community that the broader truth of podcasting community was very much during COVID. And I would say maybe even the start of this year, politics is all a scam. It's all a stage. They're bought and paid for their best friends. And then within the space of a couple of months, a few little news stories come out and everyone's back on the MAGA Trump bandwagon. Trump's the one to save us. Trump's the one to do this. Not everyone, of course, but but this is (laughs) a generalization. What I've seen happen within the American um, geopolitical conversation that we've had these this awakening moment because of COVID and then as soon as COVID's kind of over and people have gotten bored they've jumped back into team politics and I think that breeds a, a level of uncertainty and watching that film um, leave the world behind <laughs> what was so scary about that is because it was so identifiable that America is very divided along political lines mm-hmm. and cultural lines and that the greatest way to cause a reset would just be to flick the switch and turn everything off and let the the warring factions shake, have shake a go the at jar. each other. Yeah, shake the yep. jar. Shake let the, the ants jar. kill each other and then open yeah. it up and take the survivors out. I think that's I the think most it's great. realistic if, thing they could do. If if they shake the jar, I have a camper and I'm gone. You won't see me for a while. I'll be back. <laughs> but I'm not sticking around for anything and I would be happy to live in the wilderness. So bye. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I agree. I agree. I do think it will be aimed at more of a civil, a civil reason. And what better reason than on election? I think that's why it terrified me so much because the last one here, Luca, do you live in the U S as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you saw it too. Like people were just nuts. They were like, yeah. they went to bed the night that they thought Trump was going to win. And the next morning, all hell broke loose like it was like i didn't even care and i mean people were just like coming up to you at stores that never talked to you ever like did you see that i'm like what are what who are you hi um (laughs) and they're like that was so unfair blah blah blah. and people were just so riled up and they all got guns there was like a mad rush to the guns and bullets you couldn't buy bullets here for i don't know how hell yeah it was scary i mean (laughs) i just you want to talk about feeling uneasy every american has at least one gun like i think babies own guns here no i don't know (laughs) when you come to florida very scary yeah yeah, when you when you cross the florida border as soon as you come into the state you get an alligator and a pistol it's great there you go see and i'm 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 okay with guns like i think that when you disarm a people you lose a big part of your control. Okay. I don't think we should disarm anybody. Also, unless you were special forces or for some reason, I don't know why you need an AK 47, but that's just me. Like, I mean, I wouldn't have one. <laughs> My Luca, uncle does. Can I, can I give you a multi million dollar idea that can really get you like big time in the States? <laughs> sure. Florida, instead of handing people an AR 15 and an alligator, well, I know that's tongue in cheek. But what about a Florida AR-15 that has a baby gator attachment? Oh, there you go. <laughs> the scope. The scope. It's at the, it's the, at the bottom and it snaps. So for close combat. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's that's uh, that's definitely a million dollar idea. <laughs> <laughs> Retractable uh, from the top. I love it. It can snap. 
I think it I think it would work. There's a lot of people that would actually buy that. Is that so sad? You, you oh, brushed, 100%. I mean you brushed over some talking points, Heidi. I'd love to get your take on this, Luca, that the tone's already been set that, you know, we've it's pretty much going to be a Trump Biden race, right? And the MAGA or the so. right has been pushed this whole time to believe that the last election was stolen. People lost their shit last time over it. Oh, People sure. have been riled up and poked. They poked the bear for nearly four years now. What happens if the same thing occurs? Oh. There's been multiple indictments against Trump. They've been trying their hardest yeah, but... to make him not run. So what happens if it occurs again? Is that the catalyst for some kind of civil disobedience or at least Luca. states succeed? Is there an island you can go to? I have the mountains. Can you go somewhere safe? Do you can you dig a uh, trench across Florida? <laughs> uh, let me tell you what Big I'm going to do. I'm just going to sit in my house. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going you know, <laughs> to... We have food storage. I'm going to be honest. I, like <laughs> Everything in 2024, in my opinion, my humble opinion, is going to just be a shit show. I'm just going to be honest. I don't think anything's going to get better. I think it's yeah, no. where the world is going to hell in a handbasket and it's slowly approaching the dystopian uh, hellhole described in George Orwell's 1984 and Alex Huxley's, uh, you know, a new world. It, modern it's day not going to get better. Or, yeah, no, hey, there I you go, modern you, day Luca. Australia. But yeah, uh, I agree with you, you, Luca. I appreciate it. I appreciate you keeping it real, Heidi. It's just gonna You're be keeping it real. Show. I'm just scared. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the more well, concerning. Don't be, look, it's. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Drew. Sorry. Is the more concerning thing though, Luca, that like we know things, even from a scriptural standpoint, things mm-hmm. get worse before they get better. We can see politics and the way countries are governed and society is kind of on, is on the decline. But is it happening so slowly? People just aren't noticing, and that's the most frustrating thing. I don't think. I think it's happening fast. Personally, I just think a lot of people don't want to notice. And and this is what <laughs> I was going to this is what I was going to actually say when you had asked the question. I think the the problem and why I think it's going to get worse is cuz too many people cannot unplug themselves, right? From let, the matrix, let's call it, right? This idea like everybody thinks whatever political side they're on, whatever fence they think that they're they're 100% correct. Now, I've heard different arguments like, yeah, I mean, one side is is not advocating for, you know, uh, mutilating children and hurting kids. But the other side, too, it doesn't have their hands totally clean either. You know what I mean? Like multiple like there's been multiple stories of different whatever Republicans, Democrats getting uh, mixed up in, you know, financial schemes and frauds and, you know, lining their own pockets and, uh, you know, looking out for their own best interests. And I think and people can't unplug themselves from the celebrity politics and thinking like there's one man with all the answers, you know, so I I really think nothing's going to get better personally. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if uh, if Trump wins, they'll apps there's absolutely going to be some something dumb's going to happen. I mean, it was like the whole time when he was president and the whole BLM riots were happening and there was civil unrest constantly. it like you know if he wins now and he's so hated if he wins it's just i mean i i can't i don't even uh-huh. know honestly what would happen but i know something well, crazy will happen for sure you know what the simpsons said would happen right on the 2024 election do you know drew drew laughed i, I do 
And just, you do? Just, just you, you can go, but the context is that uh, the yeah. creator of The Simpsons is a Freemason, by the way, so... Right. Yeah. So they out. know some stuff. But yeah, that they, they there's an assassination of a president in 2024, right? Oh, really? <laughs> so this, that's so scary. Now, this is where my mind mm. goes to. The election is stolen. Biden gets in again. <laughs> a deranged MAGA person shoots him. And then that is used for the grounds to enact domestic terrorist laws and gun reform in the United mm. States. That's a good, then, that's a good there play. Will be that's a solid war. play. Mm-hmm. That is a and solid play. And then there play. will be, they will not give up their guns. No, that's, kind of, well, that's that, where you'd, no. you would see states succeed and start yeah. their own little blocks. Yeah, yep. and that's the thing. Like, I mean, not the, I don't think anything's off the table. I think part of the problem too, man, is people have this false reality of this country. Like somehow the U.S. is above. <clears throat> excuse me. Somehow, like the U.S. is above all the like having a whatever civil war, or civil unrest, or we're above like all this corruption that you see in oh, other countries. Yeah, exactly. We're we're really not. We just hide it a lot better. You know what I mean? It's like even like wow. whatever your stance is to on the whole, you know, it was the election stolen, this, that or the other. The bottom line is like like if you see, I think who, which which country was it? Argentina recently had an election and they had like the results within hours. You know, it didn't take them days like here. You know what I mean? Like the fact that we can't even just uh, get out a result within 24 hours they had to bring to in me. the mail, the mail in ballots. To steal the mean, yeah, it's just, <laughs> but it's just so get, much like, like I, I also think hard. that reform will make us forced into the digital ID. If that happens again, they will force that here. And we have really, as Americans, backed that away and they dropped it too fast and it was sketchy. I was like, oh. Why'd they do that? Like that went away quick. Mm-hmm. What happened there? You know, they will, they'll use it. Now that, that you bring reason. up. Yeah. Now that you bring up the whole, you know, the Simpsons episode, I could, I could legitimately see, you know, if Trump wins somebody trying to kill him or, you know, if Biden oh, wins somebody, try, you know, either or, cause like Heidi said earlier, it really is two sides of the same coin. Like you have some outliers. And like I've said on my podcast before, it's easy to generalize things. You know, you do have some outliers who don't conform to the party identity, but the problem is the vast majority do. And and that's really what you're fighting. You're fighting the conglomerate, not the individual outlier. You know what I mean? Like I would you're say Trump is fighting these a, big people, yeah, these companies, yeah. like Freemasons, different things that are mm-hmm. this this people get this twisted and I hate to tell people this because I love my country and I used to be really patriotic and it makes me sad. But this country wasn't actually formed on freedom of religion. This country was formed on freedom for Freemasons. And they came mm. here and they they did everything here. If you look at all the old things, who were they ran by? It always traces back to the Freemasons. And yeah. why? The United or, States um, was just the new guard taking over from the old guard. The monarchy had control in the world at that stage. And the new guard, which was the secret elites of the world who couldn't get that power of being royalty they wanted their own nation state to rule and they created america yes 100 percent. and and i think that yes it was done in a more diplomatic type way but also it's still not freedom right and the fact that they showed us in that movie all this crazy stuff, just to me, as a studier of the occult, which I always, and I, I get a lot of crap for that because I'm a Christian, but I feel like you need to know your enemy. I'm not doing it to like, 
and I don't have the books in my house. I won't do that because <laughs> that freaks me out. Um, but revelation of the method is all over that thing, you know, and, and you have to step back and say, are they just showing us so that their hands can be clean? Like, you know, that's part of their deal. And it's, it's, they don't do anything like Julia Roberts hasn't been in a movie in years and all of a sudden it's free on Netflix. Okay. Right. I didn't have to go pay to see that. It was a dang good movie too. Like it was kept on your seat, everything. And not only her, but Kevin Bacon, he's the same thing about this. Like he's been on the shelf for how long? And they called out all the old school. They knew they'd draw the audience and they knew it's like when the whole 2020 happened, that don't look up movie. Mm -hmm. They did the same thing. Like this is like, this is revelation of the method to me. And not and, once and did Kevin Bacon dance. How disappointing. No. Did he dance. <laughs> bad knees. Bad knees now, probably. He needs to get his new um, clone soon, probably. <laughs> I don't know if his knees are bad. <laughs> I, think, I think the beacon of America that stands out to a lot of monarchy, Commonwealth-based countries is we see your constitution, we see the intention of the freedom that you're supposed to have, and we envy it in a lot of ways because what is freedom beyond your speech? Like, why can you not express the words you want to say? That's God-given, right? But at the well, same time... if you time, don't have God. Yes, right, exactly. <laughs> See, that's, that's right. That's why the they're same, trying to get rid of it. At the same time, and, yeah. like you mentioned, you kind of covered a little bit, a lot of people will adamantly say America is the greatest country in the world. I think the newsroom, that TV series, really pinpointed that with the little speech by, um, what's his name? It eludes me. One of the actors on that, he said, America isn't the greatest country in the world. And he rattles off all these statistics of why America's fallen down the international rankings. I think it rings true of any Western world. I don't think countries are as good as the governments try to make them out to be on paper or as much as the patriots want to believe it. There's a lot of issues with countries, a lot of issues with Australia, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of issues with America. And the issues that surround America, I find, are the scariest ones because you are so divided as a nation. There's not a love mm -hmm. of your, your common man or your neighbor anymore because it's not just divided along political lines. You're divided amongst, uh, across geographical lines, by states, by cities, for heaven's <laughs> sakes. You can have a Religion, state. That, everything. Yeah, everything. Yep. It's race. It's all a tinderbox in America. Large populations, mm -hmm. heavily armed. That if well, and something does go scary. down, it's, it's ultimate chaos in America. I think in the rest of the world, the developed world, because we are under the yoke and the oppression of the crown and the commonwealth, there's a lot of freedoms that we don't have, which would make it far easier for them to take over than it would be in the States. It'd be an absolute bloodbath if something happened there. Well, and that's, I think that's why they need us to hate each other is because, mm -hmm. you know, we have to tear each other down. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's again, one of, and I have a multitude of reasons why I don't think it'll get better. But one of the peak ones, if you, I could say is people, the vast majority of people are unable to be number one objective thinking like there's too much emotion run amok and not thinking objectively and two is a lot of people are not self-aware you know like a lot of people don't have the mindset of you know you may just be interpreting something different than somebody else and having a disagreement doesn't mean that person hates you or vice versa yes. it's just a difference of opinion you know, well, and that, we've <laughs> landed into a new a new age, which is, um, and Crowley was the one that spoke of this. We will be in an age where we will all be a star, 
right? What, well, we've created this horribly narcissistic community. And me mm-hmm. and my husband were speaking of this right before I came on. And I said, you know, I remember as a kid, always going to my grandma's at this time of year, blah, 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 family oriented. We are trying to get our six children and their, their significant others, if they have them all together, just to take a picture for Christmas, right? Before it happens. And, and everybody's too busy or has this or have that. And we understand, and they do have their own families and work. But the thing is, is like, that is, that gets down to the core level, not even for a 10 year old girl to go with her to the mall to take a picture with Santa. And because they still, I still have a little one. Right. And we'll work it out. And the ki- my kids are really good. And they're for the main part, they try not to be fall into that, but yet they do. And they've been raised up in a good way, you know, but yet what do you do as parents? You make them the star. It used to be that parents, the dad would come home from work and everyone knew dad got the big piece of chicken, right? Well, nowadays, um, maybe not. And so it's changed, right? Everything has changed and children have been spotlighted. Oh, everything's about this and everything's about that. And estrangement's gotten really big and it's a fad and all these things. And so, yes, they're tearing all of it apart to make it more self-centered which leads to us being that way. Not on per. I don't think it's mean. I don't think they're trying to be nasty. Everybody's worried about me. They're not worried about their neighbor, as Lucas said. They're not worried about, you know, they're just not. And so if a crisis happened, I mean, what would happen? You don't have that community that we used to have. No, I think that's the idea that, and Luke, you put it perfectly. They can't possibly destroy america or take america under the boot it has to be americans do it doing it to americans mm-hmm. and now i need to explain my predictions for australia for 2024 and this is a completely sanitized very different equally scary version of yours we wouldn't destroy ourselves from within it would be top down for us but there's a couple of points oh, on talk to and i'd love to get your take on it and it's very much a, a huxley orwellian nightmare fuel that's coming for us here my state of 6.5 million people, very small number in comparison to the United States population, population of your states and cities, is in $178 billion of debt. We have a continued government that was, during COVID has come out now, was categorizing and tracking people based on their compliance with COVID. We have federal and state police openly tracking conspiracy theorists under fear of domestic terrorism. Holy uh, smokes. Christians have been categorized into groups of potential domestic terrorists and threats to Australia. Uh, we have oh. a disinformation, misinformation bill that I know is going to go through next year in which we have mm-hmm. a, a truth czar, which will dictate what the truth is, can have people put away in prison for up to 12 months for a first offense. You face $9,000 fines if you don't attend the court each day that you're not there. We have... UNDRIP, which is going through, even though we voted no against a voice to parliament in which the UN's going to gain control of all Indigenous land and have a, a backdoor mm. into our country. We have all these how, things how are coalescing going, at once. How can they do that with the Indigenous? Are they not protected like they are here? No, there, we've never had you? a treaty signed with our first peoples. Oh, and we okay. had just had a a referendum to vote on whether we should recognize First Nations people in our referendum. And a lot of people voted no against that because it would allow the ability of First Nations peoples to sign treaties through the UN, in which case when they do that through UNDRIP, the UN has control of the land. 
So oh we've got the gosh. UN so coming w- after us. One we've is got, worse. One is. Yeah, we've yeah. Got you police. guys are done. We've got I'm a police state honest. happening. You guys are done. Luca, it gets worse. There's this big picture stuff oh that is gosh. scary, but I'm in regional Victoria, a very small town, and I see <laughs> things happening that I would expect from a 1984 science fiction film. I go into my local Coles, which is like a Walmart or a, um, a Safeway that you guys got over there. You walk in, all the gates are automated. You can't get in or out without actually paying. There's cameras on the shelves. There's cameras in the lockers for where the frozen food and meat are. There's pins that drop wow. down that can lock it in situations where people try to steal. There's cameras in every single aisle. You need to do a video of this. This I would will. be fascinating. I'm there's, serious. When I go to the self-checkout server now, there's a camera that displays your picture as you're buying. It's recording your face the whole time. There's a level of police state that's going on even in regional parts of Australia, which is just setting up the foundation for total control. My main street of my town now has traffic cameras, not only to pinpoint when people say run a red light, but the ones that point down actually get your picture to see if you're on your phone while you're driving Mm. at all. There's a lot of surveillance going on, a lot of 5G being rolled out in areas that traditionally government said that area will never get high-speed internet because it's too regional. Well, we're getting the towers now. They're everywhere. They're scattered. It's crazy. There's some things that you mentioned there that we have in Utah. I don't know if you do, but the cameras on our face with everything you scan, I have that. And I'm not in a big city. I'm in uh, not rural Utah, but like kind of like a small community town. And same thing. We don't have the locks and all that yet, but there's cameras all over the place. Do you have that yet, Luca? No, no, not yet. Um, Not yet. Florida's still pretty, you know, free. (laughs) Yeah, Wild West, exactly. You know, people, it's funny because, you know, people say, ah, you know, be careful going out of Florida. I saw Wild West out there. But you know what? It's fucking, it's (laughs) like we're here. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? It's great. It's great down here. Because, you know, we don't like a lot of stuff that some other states deal with. Like, we really don't have those problems because down here, you know, it's going to sound bad. But down here, if you mess around the wrong way, you're going to find out. (laughs) Mess around and find out. Yeah, that's real life. That's real life down here because everybody, I mean the vast majority of Floridians are armed, I would say, you know, so it's like people are more cautious about screwing around, you know, and being quick off the cuff with things. Cause you might get shot. So, yeah. you know, everybody's know carrying. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds funny, but it really makes things safe <laughs> because, you know, I like agree. when somebody is walking around and they want to maybe rob somebody or do something dumb, that that's a thought in that person's head. Like, yeah, you know, I, I might get shot if I try to rob this person. Whereas, you know, in some other cities where they know many people are not packing or ha- don't have the means to defend themselves, you know, it's not really a second guess to just go up and rob mm-hmm. somebody or to do whatever to hurt somebody, you know, mm-hmm. down here, you know, it, you, if you walk, if you go try to break into somebody's house, that's a real threat yeah. of you possibly losing your life because you think, I think yeah, possessions I are think more here important we have than a lot breathing. Of like that. Yeah. We have, I would say eight out of 10 people carry here as well. It's an open carry state. You don't have to have um, anything to carry. So mm-hmm. you don't have to have nice. it concealed. 
Yeah. Yep. You just, there's certain limits on uh, how many bullets I think it can have in it or something. I don't do it, but anyway, yeah. Can't be getting crazy in there. And that brings me to our next point. Australia is a unarmed country. We have firearms for hunting and farming purposes, recreation. That in itself puts us at a disadvantage, both with our ability to protect ourselves if we had to under some kind of emergency, but geographically we're very sparse and spread out across the country. I think that's going to play out in a worst case scenario where the state puts its boot down on our throats, because if there are any kind of civil unrest and uprisings, they're small populations. We have a very quick, fast mobilizing military. Australia has signed up through safe cities with the UN. Melbourne has done that. So the UN has an ability to put security troops on the ground. We have signed contracts with a Saudi contractor, which has a mercenary company that can operate within Australia legally without any repercussions. So they've got the ability to put an army, even if the police and our defence forces say we're not going to do it to our own people, they have the ability to put a force on the ground to quash uprisings. And because we're so separated, we wouldn't have time to spread the word to other communities. It would be wiped out very quickly. Whereas in America... Big populations, lots of firearms. You've got the ability to spread the message quicker and the ability to stand up against to, it. You guys need to implement some sort of um, walkie relay that doesn't rely on like like even the old systems with the tap tap. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? For mm, warning, awesome. like really, you guys need to do that because if if you don't have any way to warn each other, at least you would be able to do that. Like if they shut off all the wi-fi or whatever you know so like luca i'm a little bit blackpilled in this regard Um, (laughs) but it's it's a strange it's a strange place to be i i often get to the point where i do i'm honest i'll get a little bit afraid of the way things are going but at the same time i tried to go back to scripture and the gospel about not being afraid not having fear and then i fall into this conundrum of do i play the gray man do i stay a little bit quiet do i not show my full hand or do I speak truth? Because Christ said when the truth is spoken, those that around will hear it. Am I at a disadvantage by not speaking the truth and spreading the word about what's happening and the truth of what's going on? It's a very strange situation to be in. I think it's something that in general, everyone's going to deal with, but I think it's going to be worse for Christians because of what oh, our role in all of this is. Yeah. 100%. Well, that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. I always just pray the dude has like a really, like I'm not the 10th one, like it's super sharp for me because <laughs> when they chop off my head, I want it to be fast, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't want it to be like the 50th one that day uh, and he misses. I mean, we know yeah, that they, that's going to happen. The persecution bring out the of the Christians. Rusty right? blade for you. <laughs> yeah, don't. I don't want that one. I want the machete. <laughs> he just kept on hacking and hacking (laughs) and so i mean we do know that part of christ's second coming is uh persecution of his people right we've got to get to this level and none of us want to go through it and we all know like we're i'm like very black pilled to what is supposed to happen first i'm just like oh but what if we (laughs) i'm still in the well but what well, well, maybe, you know, and, and even though, you know, like, and I, yeah, I don't care about my own life, to be honest. I know that sounds terrible, but I've almost like died three or four times. So I'm cool with me. I just don't want to see my kids <laughs> anything like it's a, with it's a hard thing to sell, isn't it? Because if you look at the way scripture plays out, things get worse before they get better. Christians have to be persecuted at a level far greater than the Romans and being thrown to the lions that 
it's almost like trying to sell a video game and you tell the person you're selling it to, you can't actually beat the game. You're going to lose at the <laughs> end. They're still going to try. You're going to lose <laughs> at the end, but you're still a winner. And you're like, well, how does that work? <laughs> you're going to lose at the end, but you're still a winner. <laughs> if it was a video game, you couldn't sell it. And I think it really right. takes people to know Christ and to know what the word is to understand it. But it's still a hard pill to swallow. It is. It's, it's. It's it's actually kind of become terrifying reading the Bible now versus reading <laughs> the Bible before because now you're like, whoa, like, and I'll go run to people like my mom or whatever, like any believer that I can shitty chat with. And I'm like, this is like now. <laughs> and she, she'll she be like, don't say that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't freak me out type of thing. But I mean, sometimes you're reading it and you're like, is this just um in another weird language, but it's actually a story about right now? <laughs> you know, it, it just seems weird. I don't know. I know. It's uh afraid for anybody who's listens <laughs> to this podcast episode. If they haven't read, if you haven't read Revelations, <laughs> just do that. That's I mean, it's Revelations is so important that it's the only book of the Bible that says blessed is he who reads this and understands and takes it to heart. I paraphrase some of that, but it's the only one that says you're blessed for reading and understanding it. It's a really, it's a wild, it's a wild book. That would (laughs) be such a good episode to see where we all think um, we're at on revelations because Uh, that would be a good one. I I personally don't, don't, I'm not an expert. I think we're in the shadows of it because like I'm, I'm, I'm the literal revelation reader, you know, and like, like pre-trip kick- post-trip, you know what I'm saying? Like, sure, uh, sure. No, I like, hear you. On the that, that's a solid uh, conversation, but I don't think it's even started because the third temple isn't built yet. Like you see, it can't, nothing can happen until the antichrist reveals himself. And for that to happen, the third right. temple has to be built. So we're, we're definitely in the shadows. Exactly. But, we're but in it the is built. They it. just can't get it there. It's they like the machinery is coming to towards go. us and the shadows being cast <laughs> on us. And we know yeah. it's coming. Yeah. And, right. and it was funny when Heidi was talking earlier in the podcast about how the, it feels like time's going quicker that's actually one of the things that uh revelations alludes to is like the birthing pains right and you know like Mm -hmm. a woman when she's giving birth the contractions are shorter so that's the same thing like these (laughs) things are gonna start yeah so it's gonna start speeding up so um it's funny it's eminent at some point yeah Yeah, when you know as having a baby i had a baby my second one at home and there is no i know in the living room um but there's a point where crap gets real right mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know and there's like it's very evident i remember one of the times i had my when i even had my son they were like we just checked you it can't possibly be time but my epidural wasn't working on that one and i said this baby is coming out now <laughs> and she just looked at me and i was like i'm not kidding and she goes you're numb and then she took a look and she's like oh don't sneeze and so <laughs> i mean women you know you know when you know right like this this stuff is coming like it feels so and i get like man, almost mandela'd all the time right like because it, it's so rapid like you'll it's you'll be like wait a minute or or deja vu as well but yeah, it's weird yeah yeah but look at what you have at the end you know and that's like right. it's hard sometimes like and i agree with you guys um like sometimes it's a, it's a little uh i guess off-putting but 
like when you like read revelations, then when you see what happens at the end, that's what I try to focus on is really what, what is the end and the end really is makes it all worth it. It's just, it's just remembering that sometimes during the tough times, you know, and I, I really, I, and I really feel bad for you, Drew, because that's a tough place to be living right now, that's especially hard. with your point of view on things. Like I can't even, I mean, I won't have to imagine it in a few years because it'll be here in America. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? Or sooner. So, you or might sooner. See, yeah, or, yeah. You, you might see me live streamed on ESPN, the Coliseum. Me and Luca, me and Luca yeah. are gonna go break Drew out of Australia if he needs uh, us. That's what we're. Yeah. I'm gonna get my uncle, <laughs> and we're gonna go oh, on a mission. Goodness. We're gonna go, and we're gonna call it the mission for missing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold. The oh. mission for missing. You uh, invite me for a reason. Yeah, that's that right. Fantastic. <laughs> Lucky, that's, that's a solid one. Luca, you touched Aww. on the end of all of this being like, that's the culminating point. Like there's a lot of mm-hmm. hardships that we have to go through. And I think to a certain extent, we can control the level of the hardships we are going to go through. If we're prepared, if we're well-informed, mm-hmm. we can lessen some of those things that might be coming our way to a certain extent, what's within our control sure. frame, right? But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, we can't be completely back black-peeled and fearful on this. And it brings me back to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which states... You can take heart knowing that even if things look out of control, God has a plan for your welfare. He has plans to bless you and your fortune is filled with hope. You can trust in Jesus Christ to do good to you both now and in the future. And Christians since the dawn of time, since Jesus himself have gone through hardships, pain, anguish, suffering, but the end is what it's all about. And the end isn't a terrible thing. No, life it goes on and Christ died for our sins and he's there for our happiness and for us as, as a species, mm-hmm. as human beings. And it will get better eventually. It's just going to be darkest before the dawn. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We, we have to now, remember you... that if, as Christians, it says that if we love him, then people will hate us, right? Hate us mm-hmm. and, and we'll suffer like he suffered. And, and I, I mean, we know like, and if we knew if we actually knew everything we were going to go through and everything at the end of the story that we win the game, where would faith be? We would be lost. Right. Mm-hmm. So it might that's even what I turn people. Away. I always go to Job. Right. If we were giving prophetic yeah. visions of the hardships we have to endure based on our, our faith and being Christian, how many people would turn away based on fear because yeah. of that? Yeah. I think if the unknown is there for a reason. Because if mm-hmm. we did know conclusively that they think the the ability of being human is that we do experience fear and unfortunately fear can control people more than faith can. And I think that's the beauty of faith is that it can teach you to not fear. It's a that, journey you, and everyone goes through it. You bring up a good point too. And I, and I've said this a bunch on different episodes. I think that's why there's such a push to remove Christianity from societies because like fundamentally like if you're a christian like an actual believing christian that professes christ as lord and you believe like that is so freeing you know and it breaks so many chains and i think that's what they fear is because how can you control the person who believes in christ you know an everlasting life and being under his rule in the new jerusalem you know if 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 people like how you can't control somebody who doesn't fear to die 
And I ultimately, I really think that's what it is, is. And that's why there's such a push to eliminate Christianity. One, because I, it's true. And I mean, well, I have a, but you know, we can all debate on that some other time and talk about it. But I think it's evident by the fact that it, it is systematically the only religious, uh, or excuse me, the only uh, religion that is constantly under attack and trying to be wiped off from the face of the world. You know, mm-hmm. they hate like they, and I mean the government, and the powers to be, hate it so much. I think because it's got so much element of truth to it, and also because there's power in His name. And because of the promise that Christ makes to us and his coming return, because when he comes back, that's the end of the wicked man, the the end of the evil person, the end of all wickedness, you know, and, um, it, you know, and, and it says it like people sometimes I think they forget, like God does hate things. And the thing God hates is the evil man and the wicked man. And it says that biblically, he hates that person. And that's what they fear because he's coming back to eradicate those people who only have wickedness and evil thoughts in their heart continually. And so when you believe in Christ and you believe that's going to happen and it frees you from being fearful of death or from what's going to happen, you're, you're not controllable by, by the, by the machine, by this dystopian Orwellian, you know, megalithic machine that's trying to press you into a mold and just be, you know, Lord over you and be your government God. So that's what uh that's really what i think it's all about which uh and i'm not to ramble and i'm i'm you know falling down the rabbit hole now but you know it's like i think that's why so many christians too fall into start to fall into like the conspiracy realm um because you really start to see like it it really is all connected and it goes back biblically and it's really it really is all about christ and trying to damage the kingdom and his people as much as the enemy can before his return yeah and i'd like to just before we close out this topic you noted a point that's really important that christians don't really really have a fear of death if they if they believe and they they know christ the fear of death isn't there because they know there's everlasting life afterwards Mm -hmm. and you're in the embrace of god for nation states in the west that have slowly been eroding religion or christianity within those countries people they don't care about death but i think they still fear and they replace that fear with that yolo mentality you only live once so there's that over consumerism (laughs) doing what you want to living your life to the best but at the end of the day they still fear death and they're just filling it with worldly things to try Mm -hmm. and get over it it's their form of copium Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. that's that's a direct result of god being removed from from countries and nation states. I'm stealing that. I like that word. If you don't have it, if you don't have it, you have to fill that void with something. And usually it's the leadership of the government and it's consumeristic Mm -hmm. things to make yourself feel whole because there's a big void inside of you. Mm -hmm. Now to move away from the the black field, the darker (laughs) side of this conversation, how do we help people? Because it's all about spreading the word and trying to save those who aren't yet saved or haven't saved themselves. Sowing seeds and spreading the word. Timothy 4, 5 states, be ready, spread the word, whether or not your time is right. Point out errors, warn people and encourage them. Be very patient when you teach. A time will come when people will not listen to accurate teachings. Instead, they will follow their own desires and surround themselves with teachers who tell them what they want to hear. People refuse to listen to the truth and turn to myths. But you must keep a clear head in everything. Endure suffering, do the work of a missionary, devote yourself completely to your work. That's a really important thing. But in the modern day and age, because there's such a big disconnect between 
what Christianity was and the the percentage um, distributed across a population. We've seen the removal of God. How do we get around the idea of sowing seeds and spreading the word without coming across as a Bible thumper? Because that was me. I was the person who any time someone knocked on my door, I heard about someone talking about scripture. I'd be the stereotypical person who rolls my eyes and go, oh, for heaven's sakes, here we go again. That same thing. So how do I not be that person? Like, I know this podcast to a degree kind of does that, even though there's probably a a bit of an (laughs) echo chamber with people who listen to this particular show. But how do I do that without coming across as the person on the soapbox? What do you guys do? Well, for me, (laughs) I I think it's, that's not something... you can kind of control. I feel like, like some people are just going to hit you with that label and it is what it is. Um, but I, I mean, there are, so so for me personally, like, uh, I try, like, as I get to know people, you know, I start to kind of share the faith a little, try to give it to people in small doses, because, you know, if you just come out and smack them with the gospel, say, you know, you're going to go to hell because you don't know Christ (laughs) and you're going to burn and, you know, you know, all these exquisite tortures await you in the afterlife because afterlife, you're this, that, and the other. Like, that's not, like, Jesus didn't do that. And I try to remember that, you know, Christ, when he went and preached or he told his disciples to preach, he said, you know, if a town or a city doesn't receive you, just walk away. I think that's important to remember, man. You know, you can't save everybody, and some people just don't want to hear it. And it is what it is, and you just got to let it go. Because we're called to preach and to have knowledge and that's all you have to do, you know, preach, speak about it. If some people don't want to listen or they want to call you a Bible thumper, this, that, and the other, just, just let it go, man. It's okay. It's all right. Not everybody is going to believe. Not everybody wants to listen. Not everybody wants to hear. And at the end of the day, you're just going to have to respect that because, you know, that's what Jesus did. You know, he went to many towns, many cities, his apostles too, and people didn't want to believe, you know, he was performing miracles in the front of people's eyes and some folks still didn't want to accept it. So it is what it is, you know, and you just have to remember that and just, you know, come to the understanding that people are just going to label you a Bible thumper. If you talk about Christ or if you, you know, bring him up or if you do anything that has to do with Christianity and it's just a label, you just got to wear with pride and, it you know just accept it for what it is um and but there is also finesse with that too you know it's also not just smacking people with the word 24 7 you know what i mean which some people do you know and it's it's i will you have to yeah yeah heidi you definitely seem like a slapper (laughs) Uh, but everybody's got their you know everybody has their way but again it just comes back to man you can't you just you can't control somebody's thoughts or how they feel towards you, you know, do the best you can do, do what God calls you to do, which is to just have the knowledge and, you know, spread the gospel and those who want to receive it will, and those who don't, don't. And that that's that. Hardy, how about you? Well, how many times growing have you upside up the head Utah. with a good book? Yes. Yes. No, <laughs> growing up in Utah, I had a fair amount of experience on both sides, which was really weird for me because I used to try and talk to everyone about Mormonism and now it's flipped around. So Mormons are always um, taught from a really young age, probably like even two or three, you should be a missionary, be a missionary to your fellow man. I, I was the date to convert girl. Um, yeah, all that. And uh, now that I'm out and I'm opposite, it's quite, it's, I mean, 
we're probably 75% LDS here. And so I'm very careful, actually, I, I after I got really into studying Derek Prince, who I love, and I'm non-denominational, but he um, is a I think he was Protestant, if I remember correctly. He does. He's an old pastor and he's on YouTube and stuff. He's passed away now. And Pentecostal, maybe. Um, anyway, I love his sermons because he talks a lot about trying to control people and anything done in the name of control is not from God. It is of Satan. Um, God fought for us really hard to have our own free will. And he gave up a lot for that as far as I mean, he cast out some of his other children over that, right? Because Lucifer wanted to make us do things, make us be right, make us do well, it's so easy just program them that way, you know? No, that's not the way it is. So we have to realize no matter what you do, you're not going to change someone that isn't there. You know, you're you you can't. And that's by God's design. And if we trust in the Lord with all our faith, we have to have faith that they have their free will from God and it's divinely given. So my way is little seeds because somebody once saved me that way. And that was my husband and my mom. And I remember clearly being so indoctrinated that I knew I had the truth and I knew I was going to the celestial kingdom, not just heaven, to the celestial kingdom. And I was going to go there. I knew all the handshakes. I was good. <laughs> like I go to the temple. Like I know how to get past the angels. Like you don't even know what you're talking about. I got the apron, all the things. And so self-righteous that I knew. But my mom would sprinkle tiny seeds of things because she got out first. And I think those seeds are so important because I never thought I would be where I'm at today. I never thought I would have ever left the church. I certainly would never have thought I would go out and speak to others, let alone speak out against. I could be very, I am very outed in my community, like with my own family, with, you know, I'm, I'm not accepted and you get, you get kind of tortured for that. And me and my husband were just talking about this. We're the worse than the black sheep because I'm going to now go to hell because I had the full knowledge. And it's not just hell, it's outer darkness for leaving because I had the full knowledge, right? So even though I know all this, even though I see those family members seeing my, you can see on TikTok who sees your stuff. And a couple of weeks ago, I was like, so your niece was on the TikTok for the podcast. <laughs> I seen her, <laughs> you know, and he's like, oh, my gosh. And so even though we know like those little seeds that were planted now blossom into wherever they go. Right. I, I will talk to anyone and I'm very careful, even like at the grocery store anywhere. I always try to have a smile on my face. I always say somebody says, can you pray with me? Or if they're LDS or whatever, I don't question like what they are. I just try to be a good person. You know, I try to be there for my fellow man. I try to have a smile on my face. I try to do the things that I want to do. It has really nothing to do with what I have to do anymore. Like that was my checklist in Mormonism, right? Like did this today. <laughs> and, and that doesn't get you in. You have to have it in your heart and people feel it. I think the attitude behind it. And like Lucas said, with everything with Christmas, it's intention, right? They can feel it. If you come at them with that intention of, I truly want to help you or, 
or I truly believe like they can feel it, you know? And I, I think that's, I think that's so important. And maybe you will never see the fruit of that labor. Maybe you will plant that seed and they will move on and you'll never hear from them again, but maybe you help them. And so I just, and I get the Holy Spirit promptings all the time. I'm like, nope, don't want to do that. And my, yeah. <laughs> I'll get the little, go talk to this lady over there. And she looks like straight up, like she hasn't smiled in 10 years, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, why are you doing this to me? You know? And, and I just do like, I still am monologuing that I don't want to do it, but <laughs> I still go over there <laughs> and we have to listen. You know, we really do. Like, I mean, last week, something so simple, like just helping this older lady. At, uh, we have a Winco, you have to bag your own groceries. And she was this really old lady and she's bagging her own groceries. And my husband is right there. I'm bagging. I'm fine. I'm doing it. I said, go help her. She's like right across from me. And my husband's like, no way. And I said, go help her. He's like, I'm not talking to her because she's a lady and she's probably going to think I'm a creeper, you know? So I'm like, all right, point taken. So I tapped her and she jumped because people do not interact with each other anymore. And I said, oh, ma'am, I have this great bad boy. Here he is. He's all yours, you know? <laughs> and he, he was like, thanks. And so actually he really liked it. And the lady talked with us and, it, and her whole everything changed. Like she was grumpy and sad or whatever and frustrated. And you could see by the end, she was like, okay, Merry Christmas. Have a good day. Maybe that simple thing. Like you just have to really feel it and live it. Like you can't just, you have to walk the walk, you know? I think recognizing I- the Holy spirit and when God's talking to you, or talking through you. That's the revelation when you realize it's happening. My wife has always said that I, I'm too nice. And if the world ever mm. did collapse, I'd be one of the first people to go because I'd be trying to look after oh, people. No. But <laughs> I, I'm I'm the person who has been down the street and there'll be someone in front of me going to buy their shopping and their card will decline and they can't pay for ha- half of their shopping. I'd be the person that hadn't passed a step forward and I'll cover you. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I've been the person who will have a chat with an old person who's putting their shopping in the car. He's walking across the bags. All the things that you would stereotypically put down to good manners and just being a good person. But recently, my wife and I were doing some shopping on a Saturday and there was an older man and he was sitting down on a chair in the local shopping center. 30 people must have passed this guy and he sat there moaning in pain, gripping his chest and no one did anything. Oh my gosh. And I, I walked over to no, him, I asked if never. he was okay, checking if he was all right. And my <laughs> wife's like, come on, we've got shopping to do. I'm like, no one's checked on him. And had a conversation with him and the, the gent ended up being, he was fighting cancer and he was in pain. The medication that he was on wasn't working and he just needed to sit down and he had severe arthritis. His knees were swollen to the point they looked like an elephant's leg. And oh. I just said to him, do you need some help getting up? Do you want me to get someone to help? He's like, no, I'm fine. And he finished off with something that got because thanks for checking on me. And that's when I knew that was the reason for going over there. And something as small as I've been quite in my personal life outside of my wife and maybe my parents on the odd occasion, I don't really talk about my faith with a lot of people, especially within my workplace. I work in a government educated school. Yeah. I was at our Christmas <laughs> breakup and, you know, whether it was a little bit of the Dutch courage or, or whatnot, I had a few drinks and with the conversation had it been like, oh, so how did you go this year? What was your favorite part of the year? What did you do? And I said, personally, my favorite part of the, um, of the last 12 months was finding Christ. And there was crickets and I knew not to speak anymore. I just left it at that. (laughs) 
But it's but... the small th- it's the small things in this journey of developing the courage and the enjoyment about speaking about it, recognizing when the Holy Spirit or Christ is communicating with you and knowing what to do and when to do the right things, even intervening on things that could put me at risk. There's teenagers at our local shopping center who just seems to be the place where they get into fights. And it was young girls of all people, probably 13, 14 year olds. And one group passed another one and was having a a word at them. And the other group followed. And I instinctually just followed them, got in between and told them to separate and move on and put an end to it. So Mm. it's those small moments. And these moments are the things that really reinforce for me that I do have a relationship with Christ and it's still growing. And maybe somebody at your work someday will come and say to you like, Hey, how did you convert? You know, I'm curious. And then you can be like, ta-da, here's my show. But, (laughs) but any, anything at all like that, like really we never know. And, and as a mental health nurse, I'll tell you, like, there's been so many times where you can just see when somebody just needs somebody else. And we are all lucky enough to have people in our lives, but there are many people that have no one. Mm. And we have to remember that because I don't, I don't think people fully comprehend what that loneliness is in this world. And it is so easy to just say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go say hello to this honorary neighbor every day. Like if I see them out, not, not to go door knocking, like don't be Mormons, let's get real, but (laughs) leave that to the door knockers that are professionals. Um, But trying your best to just show people like you're not alone, you know, and so it can be, it can be really, I think, life-changing in my opinion. And I don't know, especially 2020. I mean, there was so much, there was so many people just devastated. We had, I've never seen, I mean, we get, we get certain times of the year, we get these certain amounts of people in certain brackets. Okay. Like, Oh, okay. These are the people that went to their holidays at their families and now are traumatized. And these <laughs> are the people and, and it's like a thing. Okay. There really is like a certain amount of people that fall into different categories, but then there's the outliers that happened in 2020 of people that have never been mentally ill, that had never had anything like that. And, I'll tell you that desperation that we all are talking about, like with the future, with how things are right now, not everyone has someone to say, you know what, Drew, I was really scared about that movie and blah, blah, blah. Like just, (laughs) you know, shooting the crap about it or whatever. There are a lot of people that just sit in their own mind that, that weren't okay. And that's what I fear for in the future. We do have to be more community-based it, they have taken that from us on purpose. And yeah, well, fear is the mind good. killer. Fear is the mind killer. Mm. From June, a science fiction series, but it rings true. How many people who don't have that outlet of someone to talk to and that sense of community get stuck in their own head and stuck in the fears? And that black mm. pill becomes really a really horrible thing to be, <laughs> especially if you're someone who, like Luca alluded to, if you're stuck in the realm of conspiracy and it's a hobby for you, you can go so far down the rabbit hole, you can't see the light anymore. And if you've mm-hmm. got that by yourself, it's a recipe for disaster. This is, I know we talked about my psycho life, but I'm going <laughs> to share this. 
Okay. So my stepson got really into conspiracies at the same time. He's, he's okay with me sharing this story, by the way. Um, he's probably going to do an episode someday with me. He got really into mushrooms at the same time and he was doing them too frequently, like, and smoking weed. And he did them like every couple days for this one month. And you can't do that, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's not, I'm not talking about microdosing. I'm talking about some serious crap here. And so he, um, lost it and he went completely, um, wasn't catatonic, but it was close. And he completely went to where he couldn't even, we couldn't get him to shower. He was in complete psychosis. He was 20 and it was a lot related to him going down rabbit holes of conspiracy while he was doing these other things, these recreational activities. And he told me even now he's, he's been out of recovery. He's been recovered for a year. He had to be inpatient for months. I'm talking like months and he goes to meetings still all the time, even though, um, he had a psychosis break. We put him, I I knew as a mental health nurse, he was not going to do well if we did that in a program for psychosis with this young kid that has like never had anything like that. So we did drug addiction for weed. <laughs> It's actually kind of hilarious because, I mean, I don't think so, but it's Utah, so it worked. Um, And they paid still, so whatever, right? And he goes to the meetings all the time, still like AA type stuff, like NA, I guess it would be. But he said, now I talk about this in there and all that, but Heidi, I love you, but I won't listen to your show and you can't talk to me about all this weird stuff. Like he'll he'll talk to me about some stuff, but not everything. He has lines. Like he won't go John Levi Tartaria with me anymore. Like it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> he He's out and he'll do a little, he'll do like on surface. And I actually didn't know that part of it until um, 4th of July, we were somewhere. And I said, well, Zach knows all about this too. Cause they were teasing me that I was down the rabbit hole too far. And I said, just ask him about blah, blah. And his girlfriend had said, maybe it wasn't the fourth. It was before that. But anyway, she said, we, we don't talk about that very much with Zach anymore. <laughs> And I thought, oh, I didn't know. Sorry. <laughs> you know, but you can really get lost. And if you and so many people do that with mind altering substances on top of it and this wealth of information and knowledge we have at our fingertips, there's a reason why it's called forbidden knowledge. Like not everything is meant to be known to everyone. Some of us can do that and do it. OK, and go back. I'm a nurse for a reason. I can go help a bloody trauma victim over there and then go have lunch in 20 minutes. It's fine. You know, like some of us are okay that way because we've trained our minds that way, but some people cannot do that. My mom is also another one. She's really emotional. Can't do that. You have to be careful. Same thing with the Bible. Know your audience. Just be careful. <laughs> you know, don't black pill the murderer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Right. To close this show out, despite our conversations here today that could have been very apocalyptic, very black pilled, very dark, um, <laughs> going through the weeds of paganism and its links to Christianity, despite all of that, Christmas is a special time of year where many people gather for carols, tree decorating, spend time with family and friends, eat nice food, gift giving and celebrations. And it's also a time to reflect on Christ who came to give us his love, hope, and joy. And we can't lose sight of the bigger picture on this, that despite the terrible things that exist in life, we have his love. As long as we love him, we have that relationship. 
he's here for us. And on that note, a merry, very merry Christmas to all the listeners out there. Thank you guys for sharing this part of the year with me. And I hope it goes through to very, to a lot more in the future. And this keeps going. And it's been a fantastic year getting to know you and meet you both. Uh, Luca, would you, you're back after a bit of a, a stint away. Would you like to finish up the show with a prayer? Oh, yeah. I appreciate that. So, Emily, Father, uh, thank you for what you're doing here with these uh, podcasts and helping us to spread the gospel and to uh, instruct people and make them more knowledgeable about your your word and uh, what the gospel says. Lord, we just pray that uh, people who are listening, if they haven't found Christ yet, that you uh, we plant the seed and your Holy Spirit waters it and uh, it brings them to Christ uh, before it's too late, but also so that way they feel the freedom that Christ brings when they acknowledge him and uh, his sovereignty and who he is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, everybody. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas and catch you Merry next Christmas, time. guys.